Welcome back to Enlighten Up. You are listening to episode 28, the Akashic Records, Alligator Energy Feeders, and No More Karma with Maureen St. Germain. We're excited to have Maureen back on the show with us. She was with us back in October and agreed to come on the show again so that we could get a deeper interview on the Akashic Records. Uh, The Akashic Records are basically every detail about your entire soul's existence from the beginning of time. So it goes beyond this lifetime. And so we're going to talk a lot more in depth about that, that topic, as well as get into the alligator energy feeders. What is that? Maureen's going to tell us more about that and why we want to be very aware of these alligator energy feeders. And of course, we're going to talk more about karma, the law of cause and effect. Apparently, karma doesn't exist anymore. How does that free you from all of the pain of past lives? Find out in this episode as we jump in and hear what Maureen has to tell us. Welcome back to Enlighten Up, everyone. This is episode 28, and I am here with Lisa and Brian. Michael is going to try and jump in on the uh, recording. He's stuck on a plane, and it's a little delayed, so he may be jumping in uh, midway. He's really hoping to come on. Um, Also, we are here with one of our favorite guests, Maureen St. Germain, the author of Waking Up in 5D, A Practical Guide to Multidimensional Transformation. Maureen, how are you doing? I'm doing really good today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We're so excited to have you back on because on our last show, we talked about the Akashic Records and doing a show on that. And uh, I know that you are very passionate about the Akashic Records. Yes, I am, and I appreciate your word, passionate. You know, people with passion sometimes get a bad rap because people think they're mad, but passionate people are just passionate. doesn't mean they're mad. (laughs) I know someone like that. I'm very much like that. (laughs) We all do. Um, So the, the Akashic Records really are extraordinary as a tool and as an opportunity. Um, I had the good fortune of being tapped to do this work. I, I was interested in this, but I, I wasn't necessarily feeling a call, but I got a very strong message that I was being given access to a dimension that had been closed to humanity for eons. And later I asked, well, was I the only one given access? And I was told, no, but you will be a way shower. And I am so grateful. In fact, I'm, I'm very excited because my book on the Akashic Records is printed in Chinese. And my publisher is now um, planning on publishing uh, in English, finally. <laughs> my Chinese publishers move a little faster, if you know what I mean. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I'm excited to read it once it's uh, in English. Yeah. So it's a can you amazing book, and and they're just crazy about it. So it's wonderful. Good, good. Can you let our audience know for those who may be unfamiliar, what exactly are the Akashic records? Yes, <laughs> the Akashic records is a term that's borrowed from Sanskrit, and the person who spoke the most about it in our century is a well-known psychic called Edgar Casey, and he was really considered the father of modern. Uh, spirituality and he was a man who 
accidentally uh, was discovered to be able to give readings for people. He was a devout Christian, and he apparently had passed out under a bridge or something and began talking to somebody who was a passerby, gave them information on what was going on with their medical condition and then the remedies for it. And he got the attention of a, a well-known hypnotist who he worked with. Then he, as a salesman, lost his voice and was unable to speak. And the hypnotist got the idea that he could hypnotize him and maybe he could come up with a own remedy for himself, which happened. And then he began to work full-time in this uh, genre. It wasn't what he thought was his proper calling, if that makes sense. But there was so much positive feedback that it was irresistible. And during that time, one of the things that came through was a number of past lives that he had spent as a healer and as a teacher. And even though he did not believe in reincarnation as a devout Christian, over the course of the readings, he changed his mind and began to believe in reincarnation. And I think that's very important for people to understand and see because just because you don't believe something today doesn't mean you might not be open to it later. So if you ever hear something that you think, ah, oh, that's, that's hooey or I'm not in on that, just shelve it. You know, maybe at some point you'll be ready to hear it and you'll hear it with new ears and understand it so that you could accept it. So in his case, he had a lot of feedback about his other lifetimes, but he called the Akashic Records, um, he called them the, um, Book of Life, because I'm still speaking about what they are. And the point is, the Book of Life is the name he gave for this library, this imaginary library that exists dimensionally different from where we exist. So if we were Russian dolls, we would maybe be the third doll, and maybe the eleventh doll out would be <clears throat> where the Akashic Records are. So they're part of who we are. But at the same time, there's such a vibrational difference that normally you and I wouldn't be able to access them. So what we do is <clears throat> we use a special, um, we received a special dispensation in this era as we close out this age and move into the great golden age. And in order to do that, we want to clean up all the old stuff, you know, the unresolved stories, the unresolved drama, and all of that. And so humanity was given a dispensation to learn how to access the records so anybody could go into the Akashic Records and begin to understand why people behave the way they do. And it's very, very useful. Um, for example, I'll tell a story on myself. My husband, who I absolutely adore, murdered me in a past life. And the whole time he was courting me, I ended practically every phone call with, you know, I don't know why, but I always feel afraid of you. And it wasn't until after we were married that this information came out in the Akashic Records. And little by little, we understood the drama behind it. And just, uh, you know, three months after we found out uh, what had happened to me and who did it, three months later, we found out that I was pregnant with another man's baby at the time. So that adds excitement and drama to it. I was never upset with him about this, by the way. He cried when he heard it because he loves me so much. Um, but it also led him to be very protective of me in this lifetime, which, for my personality, who liked freedom, I was finding it cumbersome. I was finding it overwhelming. And so we had to find a balance. But knowing that his desire to protect me and, you know, fulfill his mission this time around 
was right driving these actions made it so much easier for us to work through that part. And that's the benefit of understanding uh, and information that comes in from the Akashic Records. Now I'd like to offer a few more pieces of information about this data set and that is it is a living field. That means that because it's alive you and I actually don't go into the records we go to the threshold of the records, kind of like you might go to the reference librarian and she'll pull a book out for you, but you don't get to go in the back room where everything's locked up. And the reason for that is similar to the reason that you would see where Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future was looking at a picture of himself with his parents while his mom as a teenager is trying to make out with him. And he can see his face disappearing off the picture and he's going, oh no! And so <clears throat> the idea is if you were to go into the records and witness something that upset you, your energy would upset the field because it's alive and it's reacting to what's ever going on. So we work with what's called record keepers. Some of the record keepers are permanent and some of them are, I'll call them a temporary assignment. Some of us have record keepers that we work with consistently and then each person has record keepers that are available to them and some of them might overlap. So the benefit is that we're working with these beings and say you sign up to have an Akashic Records with me, reading with me, what would happen is you would start to think about what you're going to be asking and let's say the reading's two weeks from now. Well by the time the two weeks are here, when you and I connect, one of the things that my tradition teaches and no other tradition does this is we give what's called opening remarks. And opening remarks is a data set or a bunch of information that addresses all these things that you've been thinking about asking. And it's a wonderful tool because it tells you that it's an authentic connection to the records and it tells me, the guide, I'm not making it up and I need that too, you know. And, you know, just today I had a, a client, a regular client, and we did opening remarks and it took the whole hour. Normally opening remarks are just a minute or two. So, I mean, it can be the full gamut. And the benefit of getting the help from the record keepers when you ask a question, is you get the experience. So it's a live experience. For example, a lady who was asking about her daughter from her high self was given to be more patient, but in the records, they showed her how afraid her daughter was, and she felt her daughter's fear. That had never occurred to the mom. So these things are very beneficial. Yeah, Lisa and I have both had our Akashic records read um, this year, and it was... I, I know that like, we were told, you know, we're told where we originated here on Earth. We were told mm, how many, what lifetime we're on on Earth. Because these records go beyond our Earth existence potentially if you um, didn't start here on Earth, correct? Right. And most of us uh, who are listening to this kind of a show are part of the way showers. And the way showers definitely didn't start here. They're here to assist and show the way. Like you guys do. Yeah. So, Brian, since you're acting as our skeptic today. <laughs> I am um, always your skeptic. Yeah. How, what's your response to this? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think what Maureen said initially, you know, to, to keep an open mind because you may change how you feel. I mean, that's one reason why I've been on a couple of times because I think you, I, I don't, I don't think Michael's skeptical as much anymore so he's I think changing and being open-minded I uh, 
I have a hard time believing it. I'll, I'll tell you that, especially, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting for me to, to think about something like this because you could say anything about what my past life was and there's absolutely no way to prove it. So it's, that's, I think, where it, where it fails for me as, as the skeptic is you could tell me anything. You know, what's interesting is I agree with you, Michael, and that's I... Brian. Oh, Brian, excuse me. You're filling in for Michael. Sorry. <laughs> um, I agree with you in a lot of ways because I also don't trust it like, you know, carte blanche or anything like that. But if you're a successful writer today and then... But I don't know that. You know, I just know you for the name and I don't know your stage name or something. And the record keepers say that you were a well-known and successful author in these past lifetimes. That's worthy of, a, of paying attention to. Um, you know, I had two experiences that really kind of altered my belief system. And one was when I gave a reading to a woman and she was uh, a bit of a skeptic and her best friend had kept bugging her, you need to have a reading with Maureen. And so she finally relented and did that. So, but I didn't know she was a quote non-believer. I didn't know anything about her. I just thought she was somebody who found me and decided to have a session. So the first thing that they said in opening remarks to this lady was, you know, you are um, always worried about your life best when you get on your boat and you need to, um, you know, understand that you are safe and you will never have to worry and, um, you know, your life vest is fine and just kind of relax and enjoy your time on the boat. Well, you know, the reading goes on and the first thing she says to me after she gets done with the opening remarks is, how did you even know I had a boat? And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't know you had a boat. That's what they said. I'm just the channel here. And then at the end, she said, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in reincarnation, but if I did, how did I die in the last lifetime? And now this is heavy duty information. And so I checked in with my guidance to make sure it was okay to tell her. And I did get yes. And the answer was, well, you died, you drowned. Oh, and God. she, like that. And, and but remember, the first thing you were told is that you won't have to go through that again. And think about this, maybe you wanted to come back in this lifetime to be near the water, to be on a boat, and not drown. Oh, that's, so that's profound. That's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is even more wacky and more scary than anything that's ever happened to me. And that is, there was a situation that I was having a premonition about my husband, and I saw him in an industrial accident. He's a investigator for fire science and he was working on a, um, a shipping uh, freighter and it was a mess because they'd been this big fire and so I finally you know got clearance that I could talk to him about it because I don't assume just because I have information that I should be sharing it with people because that's a misuse of power I think so I said to him, have you thought about going back to that freighter and he said he without hesitation he said well if you told me not to go I wouldn't go and so I told him what I was seeing, and he said, well, would you open up the Akasha Records for me tomorrow morning? And I said, sure. Now, I'm the mystic. I'm the one who's got this big devotion to God, and I have this deep love for all things spiritual. So I'm thinking, he's going to ask, is it my time to go? Can I change this pattern? 
Can I, you know, skip over it? Um, what do I need to know? Those kinds of questions, right? You know, like you might be told you have cancer or something, so you're going to say, well, what do I need to do to keep from getting from having that take me out? But that's not what happened. First question he asked me was, what caused the fire? And out of my mouth came the words, it was to cover up a couple of murders. And I was so shocked that I kind of pulled myself out of the records and I looked at him and I said, that's really weird. Nobody died. And he said, actually, three people died. I didn't know that. Well, that would make you a believer. Huh. So yeah. Maybe now, we can make is Brian a believer. Book, uh, waking Up in 5D. I yeah. have that book and reading it right now. I love it. Um, okay, so here's here's the, what I, where I think the, the disconnect comes in. Because until you actually personally experience something like that, it's very hard for someone to believe it if they're more skeptic than not. And... I feel like that's where Brian's at. Like until you actually have an experience where you just can't deny it, that's when you're going to start believing in certain things that you don't believe in right now. Well, maybe maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I've seen I've seen some things with Lisa, you know, experienced things with her that are hard to wrap my head around and you know like um, speaking in light language but then I still have a hard time with you know when I hear other people talking about channeling things and it's the same thing no I know but that's what I'm saying like you have to have the experience not experiencing through Lisa like it has to be with you so maybe we can have Maureen do some Akashic Record reading for Brian and see if it sparks anything. Oh, am I a guinea pig here? <laughs> I don't no. think you're a guinea pig. I She's done this. things and people who don't want one. So don't cut me in on that one. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm very interested. I mean, Lisa and Nicole have been asking me to do this for a long time. So I'm, uh, I'm very willing and I'm very curious as to what the, the readings would say. I'm not, I'm not that much of a skeptic that I would refuse. Well, you might lose your radio spot, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, Maureen. Um, I love, you know, I think humor is really the gateway to opening our hearts. And when our hearts are open, everything else shifts. So, you know, and I love the fact that you guys get my jokes and... and um, we like humor. Yeah, I do too. I no, I, awesome. Yeah, we completely agree with that sentiment. I'm happy to do it. I, I would say, since he's in, uh, this group has never happened before, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't open your records on the air because I think that that would be um, uncomfortable for you, and it might be uncomfortable for a lot of people, depending on what's coming I, from I, I don't have any. I don't have any secrets in my present or past lives that I, uh, I think I should be ashamed of. So, <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on. We'll have to set that up. <laughs> and we really would have to be, like, everyone else would have to be observers. You wouldn't be able to, like, jump in and talk or anything. I, I mean, you could, but 
I'm thinking in terms of maintaining the integrity of a real reading, you know. Yeah, okay, so whatever you need, um, we'll... You just tell us. Yeah, we'll you just it. tell us. Yeah, I think that sounds like a great experience awesome. for the listeners of the podcast. You, you can do this as a big, you know, big promo or something, you know. I can see us doing that. Now, I'm going to be teaching in China. I teach the Akashic Records in China, and I'll be gone for a month. I teach both in... Um, Mainland China and Hong Kong both. So yeah, I was I was curious about. I I lived in China for five years, so I was curious about why your first printing was uh, Chinese. I was so popular that they printed every book I wrote, and because my Akashic Records classes were so big, they asked me about my book in Akashic Records that had been you know on the back burner for a while, and I said, well. Yeah, and they said, well, yeah, but we want to have it before you return again. And they literally turned it around like in four or five months. Wow, because that usually takes a minimum of a year for publishing companies. Yeah, Cer certainly a year within, you know, the United States publishing circuit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then what happened is I signed a book deal for Waking Up in 5D, the exact same, within, within like a two-week time frame. I signed both of those contracts at the same time. So I literally was publishing two books with two different publishers. But the Chinese publisher had already published Beyond the Flower of Life, The Repeat, The Fabric of Your Reality, The um, um, Be a Genie book, The Manifestation book, and they were just eating it up. And I was so popular they wanted to keep it going, you know. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm also published in Russian and Italian. And um, again, I did not go searching that. These people came to me. Wow, you're putting out the right vibe. I'm putting so, out a vibe that people want, and I'm grateful that I can do that. I get to do my job. Thank yeah, you yeah, that's awesome. So would you have time today? Would it be something you could do today to read or do a you know, a shorter reading of something, Brian? You know, I think I think I would want to have a little more setup time, to be honest. Okay. Um. Uh, and also, I would need um, Brian's full legal name, and you know, go through the process. And I don't think this is the right. I don't know. I, I I'm, I'll let me check in because, of course, my guidance. Yeah, I'm I'm getting that. We should wait, and um, you know, we'll do it maybe in February if you have an opportunity for me to jump on. And just make it happen. Okay. I'm, I'm actually, like, oh wow, that's interesting. Um, you will be my first on the air kind of a thing. That's I do a lot of radio shows where I will answer callers' questions one by one, um, and I do set up for that. I do take you know quite a bit of meditation time to create the matrix in my world so that I am connecting with the people that are calling in. Um, and I would like to have that opportunity again, you know, do my setup. Oh yeah, so absolutely. Normal way. Yeah, I completely appreciate that. Um, and and if anything, that makes I I would think that makes me personally. I'll speak from my own point of view, but that makes me feel more confident in you that your integrity. You're not willing to compromise any integrity when you're doing that. Thank you. So. Okay, well, that's something to look forward to then, Brian. Yes. <laughs> Mark your calendars. And when will you be in China, Maureen? Um, December 27th to January 25th. Okay. Where do you, and where do you go in China? Well, I go where they tell me. 
Um, essentially, I'm going to be this. This, you know, sometimes I teach in Shanghai, sometimes I teach in Shenzhen. This time, I'm, I'm going to be attending a publicity event in Shenzhen, but I'm flying into Shanghai and then I'm overlanding to some other city, and then I'm going to be teaching again in Hong Kong, a whole new series in Hong Kong. And, and what is it that you teach exactly? Well. This particular time, I'm going to be teaching the 5D stuff that um, my book is about, and also the 5D Merkaba, and I also teach the Akashic Records. I also, uh, on occasion, teach the manifestation work because it's based on sacred geometry, and the Chinese people love the sacred geometry. They love the symbol of the flower of life, and they love the fact that that information is coming right from the geometry itself. When you say you teach the Akashic Records, do you mean you're teaching people how to access the, the records like you do? Yes. So the level one is you learn how to access the records for yourself. And level two is you access the records for another. Michael's on. Hello. I'm like, you made it. I did. And I would have made it just in time if it wasn't for... Grand came in traffic of all things. <laughs> well, Grand came in traffic's better than other right. kinds of traffic. Grand came in, and we're supposed to feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, had I, like sit, I, I had to sit by. Um, oh, this couple, this overly PEA couple, and it just drove me crazy. <laughs> that was like one of the most annoying things ever. It's like ridiculous. Too much affection and love for you, Michael? Yeah, it will, yeah, and other disturbing things I really don't want to see on the podcast. For <laughs> sure, some arousal going on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Looks like you just said it on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, what did I miss? <laughs> well, Sorry. Yeah, I'll we're just. You. I'll try to catch up. <laughs> yeah, no, we're just talking about the Akashic Records, and um, Brian is going to. Can we find out how old Brian is? How many lives he's got going on? <laughs> no, Brian's going to have them read in February. We're going to do another show um, where he'll have them read. All right. So cool. So. Um, All right. I'm sorry to, to just break in and cut you off, but continue. Don't mind me. <laughs> um, okay, so Maureen. Yes. Um, with the Akashic Records, what are certain things that people can learn from? Because, um, well, you know, for the most part, like you said, our audience are somewhat aware of they're listening to this particular show. Um, can they learn uh, what star systems they're from or anything like that? They could, but I don't specialize in those things. I specialize in what you need to know now to become closer to your divine path. There are teachers that will tell you past lives and star systems. And I get that information, but that's not what I, personality-wise, am interested in. And to be really clear about this, I made a contract with the Akashic Records that I did not want to um, open the Akashic Records for entertainment purposes. This is why when I said, when you guys talked about me and uh, uh, Brian having a session on the air, I said I wouldn't do it unless he really wanted it because to me that's just for entertainment and I don't do that. Um, that's just my preference. Some people might, 
Um, so what that means is, you know, if somebody says, well, you know, eight people told me I was the Queen of Sheba, and I want to know if your if the record keepers can confirm that. And I would just laugh and say, well, go ask somebody else. I'm not going to do that, you know, because that's not. I'm interested in helping people on their path of ascension. I'm interested in helping people on their path of spirituality, their self-improvement. And so that's what it's like. But I can't tell you some of the things that um, the record keepers will tell someone. For example, um, I had a session with a lady where she was told that she was on a very big mission and that she was a bridge builder and she was a grid maker. And she confirmed that, oh yes, I've been doing that work. Um, she uh, was also given some very specific information about her house and a situation that was on her kitchen floor that I had no idea, but it made me choke and cough. And I said, whatever it is, it's causing a lot of trauma. Turns out it was the litter box for the kitties. Um, in another case, a person's mom comes through. And again, even though I don't consider myself a medium per se, I do get messages from people's family members and they tell them things that they need to know. Um, woman was asking about her work, her business line, and what she was doing. I do have a lot of business customers who ask about their business, about who they should have on their board, if so-and-so is ideally suited for this job. And that's always very helpful because I get a read on people right away when they tell me the person's name. And I can give them, you know, well, this guy's good if he's your treasurer, or this guy would be good if he's your um, um, record keeper. And... <clears throat> um, the other kinds of information I get is on relationships and what's going on with your relationship and who is in your life. Let's say um, you're having drama with your downstairs neighbor, and you you know you give me their name and you want to know you know what's up with that. Mm -hmm. Then the mm -hmm. record keepers might say, well, this person uh, has energy that needs to be cleared, so you might have them cleared. They might say um, this. A person in a past life was hurt by you and is looking for something um, from you that you're not able to give at this time. So the only thing you can do is give them kindness. Um, so basically, it it's kind of like you know when I think we talked about this on a previous show, Michael, about psychics and how you were like, well, what's the point of getting a psychic reading? It sounds like the what you're doing, Maureen with the Akashic Records is helping people provide some guidance which can come with psychic readings but doesn't always come with psychic readings uh, that will help people understand the deeper levels of what's kind of going on so that in some ways I think it helps people bring in some more compassion to the uh, scenario. Exactly and that's exactly what happens and that's exactly why everybody was given access to learn if they want to so that they can be more compassionate because if we're all more compassionate towards each other we're more compassionate towards ourselves and if we're more compassionate towards ourselves we can actually transform the world you know, the biggest blood is always you know the person you look at in the mirror i think it's just fascinating what you said about neighbors you know and and you know who who would think you know, that maybe you had something going on with them in a past life, just a random person. You move into some apartment building and, you know, suddenly you're just having trouble with a neighbor upstairs and 
and to think that that's you know a relationship that you actually created or something that has to be worked out between this person. I hope you know it's just not something that nearly anybody would think of. You know, and, and for me, I actually have had three neighbor situations in a row, three different houses that I lived. I went from um, you know moving because of a bad neighbor situation, and you just made me think of those three people. Like, wow, I wonder. Like how crazy that is that maybe I had something to work out with those three people. Like they all just showed up in my life. Yes. Well, and you know, I will tell you that people with a lot of light will agitate people with dark entities or dark energies. So your light irritates them and they want you to go away. So that's what happens. Um, I had um, one of my uh, doctors that I go to was telling me about one of her crazy neighbors and we had the neighbor cleared and it turns out these guys were holding uh first of all they were using the apartment for uh airbnb so there were lots of surprise you know parties and garbage stuff that shouldn't be going on and secondly they were doing other stuff they shouldn't be doing and so the, the apartment was cleared and the neighbors themselves were cleared and probably within i don't know four or five weeks the whole situation did a 180 those guys were kicked out and everything changed. She's now trying to buy that space so she, does, so she can control it because she owns the place below them and wants it clear, you know. Um, and there, there was a lot more to that than I'm, that I'm not telling because it's too complicated. But, you know, the energies were cleared and so those people were no longer a vibrational match. And that's how that works. When you are, when you have a lot of light, you can, you can agitate anyone who doesn't. And when a person can get you to react, you are literally feeding alligators. So the number one thing to do when someone agitates you is to find a way to smile and say thank you. And even if they're name-calling, you see whatever in their name-calling could possibly be a compliment, and you smile and say thank you. I, you know, and I'm sure you remember, um, Nicole, I've said this before, you know, we're blondes, and... You can never insult a blonde because she only hears compliments. And I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but the idea is we all have a choice. And if somebody does something obnoxious, we can obnoxious, we can argue with them. We can tell them you're wrong, you're bad, whatever. Or we can just, you know, pretend that it wasn't uh, a diss and see it as a compliment. Because why do they send these barbs? Not because they want to hurt you, but because they live on the energy you create when you get upset. In fact, I just wrote an article. It was in a magazine. It's also on my website. And it's called, you know, your negative louche is, you know, causing all these problems. So your reaction is actually what they're looking for. It's funny. You know, when, I was little, yeah, when I was a little girl, my brothers used to bug the heck out of me. And I would go crying to my mom. And my mom would say the same thing to me, and I didn't get it. Of course, when you're a little kid, you don't get a lot of stuff. But we um, we just did a show. Our last podcast was we talked about frequency family and how as you're raising your vibrations, you tend to lose people from your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's also true. And that's the important thing that I teach uh, uh, in the book Waking Up in Five D. That your goal is to be a vibrational match for where you are spiritually and emotionally so that everybody you attract to yourself is a vibrational match. And when you attract somebody who's not, 
it's because you're ready to release that belief about yourself or that pattern about yourself that you used to believe and they're triggering you to react and one of the things you can do is look at what they're saying and think, hmm, I wonder why that makes me so mad. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. My, my mother um, is a lovely human being. She's still living. She's in her, in her mid-90s. And um, one day when I was in my mid-40s, I was at her house, and she's looking at me in this um, skinny black dress with a wide red belt around my hips, and it looked really cool. And uh, she says, you know, honey, when you wear the belt that way, it makes you look it makes you look heavy. And I started to laugh, and I said, Mom, I'm pretty sure everyone knows I'm overweight. I'm not overweight anymore, by the way, but back then I was. And I said, Mom, I'm pretty sure everyone knows I'm overweight. I want them to know I'm fashionable and that I know how to dress. <laughs> and I laughed like you are. I just laughed at them because I thought it was so funny. I thought she's worried about people thinking I'm bad. I'm thinking, I don't care what they think I'm bad. I want to look like I'm hip, you know. And what, a, what, a, what a phrase. I'm hip as I wear the belt on my hip. Huh. Hey, Maureen, I wanted to ask you about karma, and I know you you talked a little bit of, or there was a little bit about it in your book. That as of 2012, there's no more karma. That's true. Can you, can you explain that to our listeners? Yes, I started getting this message in 1995, and when that first came in, I was horrified. What could that possibly mean? You know, we've all kind of grown up with this whole idea of karma, and now I'm coming around getting messages that there's no more karma. So <clears throat> I initially tried it out on some friends, and it did not bode well. They were they were like outraged that I would say such a thing. So I kept going back to the altar, and the short version is this. If we're moving into the great golden age, if we're all going to be 5D, where we don't need negative stuff, to color our existence, and we are only interested in things that are pleasing, and what I would call the God choice, as compared with the not God choice, then the, the need for karma has evaporated because there's no need to keep score because everybody's already a good guy. And although you're going to have lots of variety of experiences, none of them are going to be negative experiences. They're going to be interesting or whatever they are. So there's no need for apologies, there's no need for karma. And the whole thing of karma, that wheel has slowed down and stopped. Now what's interesting is I've noticed that people that still say, well I still believe in karma, they're still getting stuff hitting them. But if you just simply announce, okay fine, I don't know what it means, but I like the idea of no more karma. I claim that for myself. It's like this big weight will be lifted off of you. You're no longer held back by the sins of another lifetime. You're no longer held back by the mistakes you made yesterday. And that's very powerful because all of us made mistakes yesterday. And the goal is, okay, now today I'm going to do better. Whatever it is, you know, whether it's the way you raised your kids, the, whether you made a choice that you wish you hadn't, Maybe you said something you wish you hadn't. All those things that we do that we think, oh man, I could have done better here. All of that, it, it, we get the opportunity of self-reflection, but we don't have to punish ourselves anymore. We don't have to take punishment for it because the universe has collected enough data. They already have all the data they need on the dark, and it's no longer required. So who was in charge of making this 
decision that there is no more karma and how come people didn't hear about it or get the memo or see it on the news? I got the memo. People in general. Well, it's the same reason why we believe in prophets and mystics because they're bringing this information that's on the cutting edge. You know, one time when my kids called me out on something I said, and I just laughed at him and I looked at him and I said, you know, when you were a three-year-old, I was teaching you about karma. I haven't changed. I'm still at the front of the line. I'm like Lewis and Clark. I'm out there cutting the forest out or mapping the territory for people so that they can know what I know. So I'm not the only person today saying there's no more karma, but I am quite certain that I was the first person to say it back in 1995. Yeah, that makes and sense. And who's in charge of karma? Like Brian asked, who? We are. Isn't that great? I mean, who came up with this new rule? No more karma. Who? who where did you get that message from? My God. Just... My guys. This is the way I see it. When you think about the people who are scientists and are like say on the cutting edge of medicine and medical breakthroughs they know what they're looking for or they have a much better understanding of say someone who isn't well versed in what they're doing so if you're not open to receiving messages through uh, the spiritual gateway of our pineal gland and our higher self and having that connection then you're you're not allowing yourself to be at the cutting edge to receive those messages and so you're going to get them from other people it's the exact same thing as how it works in all the industries in our world you know this is a very good point one of the things that I um, transcribed very early on was I was extremely curious about this whole idea of different dimensions and it was proposed by a teacher and I thought well I want to know more and I meditated on it for months and months and months. And one day in the middle of the night, the information came in. What I did in the meantime was I created this grid. And I wrote each of the dimensions, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, like that. Because I'm thinking, I want to know what, I want to know what that means. I want to know what, what they are. I, you know, it's like, what does this mean? And so I created a table like you would a periodic table. And I left columns for the information to fill in. So one day in the middle of the night, the information came in and I wrote it down. So I tend to run my life like a skeptic would in that I'm always looking for a way for the logical types to buy in to these ideas. And you know, I worked as a CEO of a nonprofit for a long time and I have a great respect for logical thinking, and I'm a good logical thinker, but I'm also a good intuitive. So, as I meditated on, well, how could I, how could I explain this to people that in terms that they would be able to accept? And here's what I was told. Again, this took a couple of months of constantly asking and, and finally getting the answer. You know how when you're watching TV at a local station, and they cut in with a weather update. Maybe it's a hailstorm, maybe it's a big snowstorm. It's something that was not predicted earlier in the day. And they're giving you the latest breaking news of the weather. Well, when you connect with your higher self, and when you start to connect with the higher realms, they're going to give you the latest update 
unsituation normal. So the information that comes in is always the exception to the popularly held belief about whatever is going on. You're not going to get an update on everything, you're just going to get an update on what has changed. Now in the case of karma, because that was our original thought here, I think what has happened is if you and I decide there's no more karma, and then I loan you $20, and you never pay me back, and I could say, well, he'll get his karma. You know, somebody's going to borrow from him and not pay him back. But that's me justifying my discomfort about not being paid back. But if I decide there's no more karma, then I don't have to hold you uh, accountable. Now, the cool thing is, someone might say, well, what's to keep you from being a murderer, Maureen? And the answer is, I have personal integrity. And in 5D, you have no desire to behave badly. So you don't have to have the policeman watching. You know, it's like there's, in the world of organizations, there are some organizations that are self-policing, and there are some organizations that have what I would call oversight by the federal government or some other authority. So if it's a self-policing agency or organization, like say the cosmetic dentists, which I used to run, they have very high standards, and you can't call yourself a cosmetic dentist until you've passed a certain exam, you've written papers, you've shown your work to the other dentist, and they go, yeah, you're doing pretty good work, you're, you're one of us. And so they're self-policing. So I believe what's happening is that we're all becoming personally accountable to a much higher degree and to the standard we all aspire to. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, the more that you the more that you start to resonate with that kind of love frequency that is fifth dimension, the the less you need to be, I guess, <laughs> schooled or parent like to have that kind of authority over you to tell you what's right or wrong. You just already understand that it either feels right or it doesn't feel right, um, or just doesn't vibrate with you, and so. That completely makes sense to me. I understand that kind of level of thinking. Um, but I can also understand how if someone's not there, they can't understand how that would be not chaotic. Right. Well, certainly separating the, the you know, there's this phrase in the Bible, is separating from the wheat from the chaff. And I think that that's what the phase we're in right now, where we're literally... Um, you know, in that stage, it's kind of like, what would you do if no one's looking? I'd still return an overpayment. I would still, you know, in, in practical terms, you know, I was raised a certain way, and if someone showed in my, up at my house and they came in and we sat down and chatted for whatever reason, I would offer them something to drink, whether it's water or juice or tea or coffee. I'd offer them, would you like something to drink? And that's kind of like my custom, and I think it's pretty customary in America, and in North America, you know, somebody comes in, you offer them something to drink right away. So nobody has to tell me to do that. I know that that's a way to say you're welcome in my home and here's something that might refresh you. Um, so I think that part of what happens is I wouldn't think of having someone come in my house and sit down for two or three hours and talk to me about something without getting them a drink. It's not possible for me to do that. So that's what happens. We shift enough 
in our baseline of behavior that we don't need to be told. You know, if I step on someone's toes, I self-correct. You know, if I say something um, to my husband and I realize later, oh my gosh, that was rude, that was mean, I'm, I'm in his face right away, apologizing, saying, oh my gosh, I, I, I really had a horrible um, um, thing that I did and I'm very sorry, I don't want to hurt you. Now, some people need to be told, you were obnoxious yesterday, but nobody has to tell me because I know what I am. I think, we, you know, if you, you brought up that scenario where, like, if um, someone gave you back $20 more than they were supposed to from the cash register, uh, you could either just walk away with the extra 20 in your pocket, uh, or you may be so inclined to give it back uh, through a certain honor system. And I think when you start to move up in vibration and start to resonate more consistently within the fifth dimension, uh, that you, it's built on the honor that you're building within you. And you, because you're honoring yourself, you understand that value system and you can't not honor someone else and what their responsibilities are and their duties are within their job that you wouldn't think of putting them in a position where they would have had to reap certain consequences of that action. Um, exactly, exactly. You know, um, another thing that happens is our relationships in general are different. So if I'm going to sell my car to you, for example, and um, you're looking for a car like what I have, I know what I want for it, I know the blue book value, and I say, you know, the blue book says this, and you say, well, yeah, well, I, I'm prepared to offer X, and it's not the same amount. And I'll say, well, I was hoping to get a little more. Could you come up a little? And we're going to continue to negotiate till I till I feel good, but I also would make sure you feel good, and that's something new because in the old days we all wanted to get the best deal. We wanted, you know, I want to get a steal of a car from you, and and get you know take care of myself. You know, it was like me against you, even in a car purchase. And today that's not what's happening. And you know, we see it all around us. You know, like. If you, I don't watch Dr. Phil, but I've heard him, and I've heard him say, how's that working out for you? He never says this is wrong or bad, because there's no point. People know it's working for them. And it's like what you say, Nicole, when you know it's working for you and it's a match, if you're good with it, and you don't need anybody to tell you the best behavior. I think also when you understand the law of oneness and you truly start to believe and feel that you are connected to everybody that you know doing something like that you realize that you're only doing that to yourself would you treat yourself that way is that something that you would want for yourself because everyone outside of you is essentially you so you yeah. want to treat everyone as well as you want to be treated yeah you know that that's very true and to bring that a little bit closer to home I will tell you that I had a business partner that stole five thousand dollars from me and it was at the time at a time when when you know even an extra three hundred dollars would have made a difference in my life you know and I went to the altar and I complained I said you know what are we going to do about this and you know blah 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 and I was told write this guy a letter tell him how you feel and then whatever he sends you is payment in full. Now, I wasn't expecting that, but I thought, okay, fine. I'm being told to do this in the records. I can do this. So I wrote the letter. 
and um, <clears throat> he came up with a big long list of all his so-called expenses that he decided were appropriate. They weren't, but you know, remember this is payment in full. And I ended up with a check for two hundred fifty dollars, and his wife got a new kitchen. And I remember when the check came, thinking, "That's amazing. That's payment in full." Okay, now fast forward, maybe four or five years later. I have no energy on it. I'm fine with it. Everything's cool. And I get a very clear message that this person that I haven't thought about for five years is another version of me. Now, take that in your mind and wrap your brain around it. And if that man is another version of me, and he's loosey-goosey about financial arrangements because I was not the only one that he pulled fast on it turns out and I was being super rigid about agreements and you know following the letter of the law so my association with him was to bring us both towards the middle which we ultimately did but the funniest thing is if he's me did he really steal and you have to laugh and say no because all I did was take from one pocket and put in the other yeah but did you get a new kitchen <laughs> No, I didn't need a new kitchen. Oh, so, yeah, I was a traveler. You know, I'm kind of a gypsy. Well, a bird can help you find a new kitchen. <laughs> um, Michael, go ahead. Oh, I just said a version of you got a new kitchen. There you go. Well, I don't know whether I was his. I don't know whether I was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. What was I thinking? <laughs> right. So um, I think we touched on this on the last time you were on our show about the, our multidimensional selves. And I know, Michael, you were having a really hard time wrapping your head around that idea. And um, you just don't uh, – it doesn't resonate yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah but you played I mean, uh -huh. I kind of feel you like a useless cod on, on this conversation. <laughs> I'll be honest with you guys. Um, well, I, I, I like the fact that you, um, you know, used my own metaphor on me. It's very funny. <laughs> Well, I try. That's all I can add to the group now. Yeah. So is there a way to know how many versions of yourself are out there? Yeah. You can ask. You know, I'm, I asked one time, and typically a person might have anywhere from three to seven. Some very highly evolved beings may have, you know, double digits. But who cares? It's not important. What I can tell you did I tell you the story about the two doctors? No, yeah, I on the, the, on the Japanese plane? guy, or, I think. Were they not the two girls on a plane or something like that? No, it's a different story. This is a story about a true story about a well-known author named um, um, Walter Simkew, S-I-E-M-K-E-W, and he's written books about reincarnation. And, and his most famous book is called Return of the Revolutionaries. And I highly recommend this book. It's very powerful. And his premise is that all the people who were part of the American Revolution are back in embodiment. And, of course, my comment about that is, well, if that's true, we're definitely going to make it because those high beings sure as heck wouldn't come back if they thought they were going to fail. And um, But so I tell, I tell people, read that book. And I've been saying that for 20 years. It's been out for quite some time. And um, so one of my students went to one of his lectures. And um, after the lecture, she went up and talked to him. And she said, you know, one of the ladies I study with says that there's more than one version of the same person. 
And I want to know what you think about that. Because he's talking about reincarnation. He's not talking about what I'm saying. And he said, oh, I absolutely believe in that. And he said, let me tell you my story. So he proceeds to say that he was giving a lecture in Hong Kong. And an Indian doctor approached him after the lecture. And they had an instant liking of one another. They uh, decided to connect. And they went out for a meal. And they stayed friends. And it turns out that the Indian MD is studying an area that Walter used to study and kind of set aside so he could focus more on this work. And so my metaphor for this, because I like to bring things home and you know make people understand, once a month you meet with all your other versions and you say, okay, well, do you want to take the China gig or, or shall I take it? And <laughs> I get, no, you take it, it's fun. And it gets really funny. So, think about that. Anyway, the, these two guys, and he said he was certain that this man is another version of himself, and that he picked up the thread on something that that Walter could not continue and do what he was doing, so he kind of set that aside. So another doctor, Walter, only an Indian guy, came in and picked that one up. See, I totally get that, but I, I know, Michael, you don't, right? Not that I don't get it, it's that I just don't believe it. Well, that one's about to be people that, unfortunately, I just have to have a lot of experience and and uh, myself to really kind of jump into the belief system. Like, I don't really believe in, I never believed in karma in the first place, so we're at least we agree on that one right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I never believed in it, so we're you came in, you know, and this is something very interesting. People in certain generations can be way ahead of the curve. Like, I'm way ahead of the curve of my generation. And you might be the same. You might be like one of those, they call a lot of us early adopters, you know. But there's this, this connection with the, with how things are. And the fact that you never believed in karma in the first place, it's awesome. Hi, Marie. You and I, same page like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I mean, I believe because you're telling me it's so, and I and I trust that about, you know, a different version of yourself, but I mean, I think that's something that's really hard to wrap your head around, even from someone like me who's, you know, open to this stuff, you know, unless I really meet that person or, you know, have some sort of reading that gives me an example that I can wrap my head around, that's just, that's just something that's really difficult, I think. Yeah, no, yes, it is. You no, know, I get that. And for me personally, a lot of the information that I have gotten over the years has come through either in the teaching environment or in the readings. And one of the things that I get continually about people meeting other versions of themselves, it isn't so that you will work together. It is so that you will boost each other. And, you know, maybe you cross someone's path uh, and you give them a little boost. And then they go on. So you're actually, you know, think of a video game where you've got several men on the board. You know, sometimes you send a man to go, you know, help another guy out. And then he goes back to his original duties. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> I totally understand because I, I know I've said this on the, the Think the Show that you were on last time, but I've met another version of myself. And it that's exactly what's happening is this girl is probably 
close to 15 years younger than me, but she's in the exact same industry of health and all that and very interested even in the healing aspect. But first it was most the food. And that's how I was too. I was really into the food and then I really moved more into the healing. And she just called me last week to be like, can we talk? I, I'm starting to really get into the whole metaphysical, like the meditation and the more healing aspect of the wellness. And, and I'd love to like pick your brain on certain things. And so we're actually talking in two days about this. And I have to say, it trips me out knowing what I know now that when I chat with her, it's, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's just, it is very interesting, kind of mind blowing and hard to absorb. But at the same time, it's already absorbed. If that makes any sense. Like I just don't even know how to explain it. But until you actually feel it, that's when it starts to kind of click into place. Because before I knew that or like knew it was her, it was so hard for me to wrap my head around the multidimensional self and knowing that there may be a couple other versions of me out there. Lisa, what you might do is ask your guides or your angels or your higher self, whatever you, you know, whatever you work with, okay, I'm ready to meet another version of me and I'm ready. You know, bring it on. Okay. Yeah, and Lisa's going to report back. <laughs> I'll I'll report back and see if I get an answer. Well, this is the whole this brings us to that whole idea that once we ask or put it into our minds, that's when we're allowed to are allowing ourselves to experience it. So No kidding. In fact, when I still worked in the corporate world, and I know that I'm a little bit of a change maker. So when I worked in the corporate world, there were some things that were going on in the office that um you know, I was kind of nudging, and apparently I got hung out to dry for being the problem. And I got called in. You know, I was a manager, and I got called on the carpet, you know, given a warning, blah, blah, blah. And I came home, and I went to the altar, and I complained to El Mori, the ascended master on the ray of the will of God, first ray. And he was my direct report at the time. And I said to him, you know, I am sick and tired of being the scapegoat, blah, blah, blah. And I was really, really mad. And then I said, and if there was a lesson in here for me, I didn't get it. You're going to have to do it again. Well, I don't recommend doing that. Because the very next day, I get a call from a guy at the state level. I'm working on a project at this organization for, for this bigger group. And he's friends with all the people who work in my office. And we're all, like, networked together in this bigger group. The first words out of his mouth are, Maureen, honey, you know I love you. And I said, yes, I do. And then he proceeds to tell me that I've been heavy and too insistent with somebody about a speaking gig that they promised and now they can't keep. You remember that meeting in the letter of the law business? You know, I was insisting, well, you promised. And they said, yeah, but we made another book booking. And I said, yeah, but you promised. All I wanted to hear them say was, yes, and I'm so sorry I can't do it. And they wouldn't say that. So I'm looking for, you know, well, you promised. So he says, you're going to have to lighten up because it's become a big problem and they've asked me to interfere. And he says, I don't have to do any more, do I? And I said, oh, no, I got it covered. And he said, I'm not going to mention this to your boss. And I said, thank you. Consider it handled. Well, if he had gone to my boss, I would have gotten fired because that would have been infraction number two. So 
as you said, when you when you're ready, you ask for it. But when you ask for it, you better be careful. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Very true. Um, well, this has been such a great talk, Maureen. Thank you so much for being uh, back on the show with us. My pleasure. You guys are a blast. <laughs> um, Brian, Michael, do you guys have any questions before we go, like that weren't answered or any clarification? Uh, no, I'm looking forward to, to February. I was uh, I was hoping that was was going to happen today, but I understand what the the process is now. So, we'll, Maureen, I'll make sure that that I give you whatever information you need about me uh, before before then, and um, I can't wait. So, um, I'll con I'll connect you guys, Maureen and Brian. I'll connect you both. Okay, sounds good. Okay, and Michael. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens to Brian, so I'll hold my questions till then. <laughs> <laughs> see what sort of skeletons he has in his closet. I know you kind of really, you know, when you just finished talking about Marines, be careful what you ask for. Like Brian, you're really open it up, so I'm proud of you. I think Brian, I think you rock. So good on you that you said that. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not afraid to learn anything, and if what I learn is bad, I don't care what other people think about me so yeah bring it on awesome 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 oh great so for our listening audience if you haven't already please pick up Maureen's book Waking Up in 5D it's an excellent read uh, definitely um, at the top in one of my top 10 books that I've read uh, to date in this lifetime and uh, if you are interested in Akashic Records you do courses uh, Maureen yes I do I do online courses and I teach in New York City and I live a lot on the West Coast. We have two homes, New York and San Diego. So I don't have any classes going on the West Coast, although I've had a lot of conversations with people about having a class here. It's it's very curious, you know, the East Coast is my turf, which is why I really like teaching on the East Coast. Um, West Coast is my husband's turf and so that's why we have two homes. Oh, nice. Very convenient. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much for being on with us. And to our listening audience, uh, if you have any show ideas or topics that you'd like to learn more about, please send them into our email at info at enlightenup.us. And, of course, for any more information, you can visit our website, enlightenup.us. Uh, again, we're going to leave some links to Maureen's uh, details in the show notes so you can find them there. And uh, that's about it. So thanks again, Maureen. You're such a joy to have on the show. We appreciate you and look forward to the big reveal, Brian's reveal. We can all make predictions of what he was <laughs> You know what? Maybe we'll write well, it down. Not, you know, that's not necessarily what he's going to get. Remember, I'm not interested in information for information's sake it's for whatever he needs in the moment yeah so come through all right well we look forward to that so coming up in february we'll do that episode so thanks again everyone for being with us today and we'll catch you in the new year because that's when our next episode is going to come out thank you everyone bye bye bye, -bye.